0: Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Merry Christmas to everybody. So great to be with you today. Uh, Friends, family, those of you who are joining us, it's so great that you're here as well, love having you here. Uh, Grace Avenue Christmas is on uh, tomorrow. We're having services at four and five thirty for our Christmas Eve service. Very different than what we've been doing this weekend, and uh, it's going to be really special stuff for the kids. Great stuff for family. Encourage you to be there. Let's jump into uh, the Word this morning. We've been talking about what it means to be of good cheer. This is a series that we do around Christmas time, and we talk about being of good cheer. And we see that phrase so much all throughout society. We see it on cards, and we see it on windows, and we see it on stickers, and we see it on our computers and on commercials, be of good cheer. And so we started breaking that down and saying, well, what does that actually mean when we think about how uh, being cheerful relates to our Christianity What does it mean to be cheerful? Is that something just like a face that we put on? Is that a mask that we put on in the morning? Like we're grumpy, then we have our coffee, now we're cheerful? Or do we just learn how to live this out the way Jesus talked about in Scripture? And so I want to go to a verse this morning that kind of helps us bring all of what we're talking about today to the surface. It's Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible or don't have it there on your phone, you can look up here on the screen. Colossians chapter 3 verse 25 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. I would say that it's safe to say that in a world and in the world that we live in, uh, I think we need some peace. I think that your Facebook feed, there needs to be some peace on there. I think between you and maybe some uh, uh, relational strains that you may have with family or friends or people, uh, there needs to be some peace. Uh, maybe, do your, maybe with your siblings, there needs to be some peace. Maybe some stuff going on with mom, dad, sister, brother, cousin, great uncle. Who knows? There needs to be some peace. All of us, if you think about it, not only need some peace personally in our relationships, but uh, our world needs peace. Our society needs peace. Our politicians need peace. Our country needs peace. The races within our nations need peace. Our world relationships globally need peace. Okay, so it's safe to say that when we read this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that what Jesus was uh, facing at that time is pretty much the same thing that we're facing today. You know, political upheaval, murder, war, uh, factions, divisiveness, uh, war between Jews and Gentiles, people not liking each other. There was a lot of hostility for different people. In that region, just that he was dealing with different religions, different gods that people worship. So there was a tremendous amount of hostility. And here, Paul is instructing us on what it's it's like to live in a hostile, confused, chaotic world. And he's telling us how we actually do this. He's saying, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, he's talking to the church, since all of us were called to peace. So he's not just saying, Hey, put on a mask and, and try and be peaceful. He's saying you and I have this calling, this mandate of the gospel to be filled with peace and live out that peace with other people. In other words, we're not supposed to fake it. It's supposed to be something that's living on the inside of us that is influencing the culture and the people around us, right? He's directing us to something that's so critical for our everyday lives, Let the peace rule in our hearts. Why? Why does he say let it rule in our hearts? Well, think about it. Our hearts are the place where all kinds of things try to make their home. Things like bitterness, things like unforgiveness, things like hostility, things like rage, things like oh, you can name them. I could go on and on. All of these things, we've been affected by these things, and they try to take root and make their home and roast marshmallows there in our heart. That's where things tend to reside. This is why God speaks so clearly about the heart of man and the heart of mankind and what's so important to him. It's not an exterior that Jesus is looking for. It's an internal change that Jesus is looking for. It's an internal work that God wants to do, right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Hopelessness tries to take home in our hearts. Something's always trying to take home, make its home in your heart. The heart is the place where God does some of his greatest work. That's why we're told to guard it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow all the issues of life. Where it says in this, this version, it determines the direction and the course of your life. A lot of us kind of think that the way our life is going is the result of what someone else did to us or what someone else said or what we did have or what we didn't have. But at the end of the day, when we settle all that, all of us have the same opportunity, and that's the opportunity to make choices of what we're going to do with what we've been given, what we're going to do with how we've been treated, what we're going to do if we've been mistreated, misrepresented. It says whatever's going going on in our heart, it's going to determine the course of our life. You know, it's interesting, you know, I can have a really negative view of someone or something, and the more I spill that out, it's interesting how people of the like-mindedness will be attracted to that, right? Right? If I say I hate, you know, I don't know, this particular vegetable, those of you who hate, okay, who hates broccoli, right? Who hates broccoli here? See, several people. I personally love it, but you don't, so you can keep your negativity to yourself, (laughs) but... I, I personally love broccoli, but some of you could form a Facebook group surrounding your own hatred of broccoli, and you could build a following around that, and you could actually probably get some momentum. Where it goes from there, I really have no idea. However, you can certainly gather people around a heart thing that you have, a hatred that you have about something, a dislike that you have about something. And so many times I think that we're trying to find our flow in life, our rhythm in life, our tribe, our the next season, the next thing, where is God leading us? What's, what's this next thing in life hold for me? And what I'm saying is that I think we have to be careful and look at what is our, what's going on in our heart in this season that may be determining the next season, that may be determining the course of 2019, is it the peace of God or is it something that we just can't stand? You know, when we have negative experiences or disappointing experiences, we often start making promises to ourselves. That's it. I'm never dating again. I'm never getting married again. I'm never cheering for that team again, right? (laughs) Come on, you'll have your jersey back on next week, right? Uh, We make promises because of what's happened to us hasn't satisfied us and we try to gear ourselves up to say, you know what, that's never gonna happen again. But the truth is, that's not peace that's guiding us in that moment. That's disappointment. That's frustration. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, our peace is always under attack. It's always under attack. Somehow, some way, the enemy is after the peace. That you just established, the peace that you're trying to gain, the peace that you have in God, the peace that you have in, in what God has done in your life, the peace in God's forgiveness over your life, the peace in the resolve things that you let go of already. The enemy's always trying to undermine those things. But it's not just you and me. It's the world that we live in. It's the world that we live in. We live in a world that desperately needs peace. Society needs it. And we need it on different levels, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, relationally. There's all kinds of different avenues where I think if we're not careful, we really start to lose in life. You know, I mentioned it before how crazy the last few years for my family has been personally. You know, one of the things I really tried to do, and, and I'm still not perfect with this, but I really am trying to make sure that when I'm at home I'm enjoying home. But I'm not thinking about other things, and that's very difficult, because <laughs> my mind is 24/7. But I'm always trying to make sure when I'm with someone, I'm with someone. I want peace in, in that moment to be, I'm with this person, or with this setting or in this setting. I'm not trying to let something else that hasn't even happened or needs to happen rule that particular moment or season or evening, because tomorrow's coming. Unless God takes me, tomorrow's coming, and I'll deal with it then. But for now, I have to take ownership and responsibility of the peace that God gives me now to live in the now and do what he's called me to do. See, our world needs all kinds of peace, and Jesus makes it very clear that he's already given that to us. He makes it clear that what the world is fighting for and actually trying to gain Right, Whether it's people in their skin color, whether it's people with political disagreements, whether it's people in family disagreements, generational disagreements, disagreements over finances, disagreements over whatever someone that someone did 50 years ago. Jesus tells us, the, tells us that the peace that people are actually looking for can't be found outside of him. I'm going to read this to you, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is towards the end of Jesus' human life on earth when he's about to be crucified. And he's talking very clearly, very candidly. He says, Peace I'm leaving with you. And peace I'm actually giving to you. Okay? This is something Jesus handed over to you and I as believers his peace that we freely have access to. And he says, Now look at this. It's not the peace that the world gives. Because what does the world give? It gives us when we need peace, you need a vacation. Oh, you just need to go somewhere nice tonight. You need to go sit by the beach, go sit by the pool, take a walk in the mountains, skip through the field and the lilies. Do something that feels peaceful or brings you peace. But here's what Jesus is saying. I'm not talking about what the world talks about as peace. What I'm giving you is different. And what the world offers you is different than what I'm giving you. It's almost like, hey, let let me get your attention here. That's what he's saying. He's like, look, I'm leaving peace with you, and I'm giving it to you, and this is not what the world gives you. This is something different. So don't let your what? Hearts be troubled. Again, he goes back to the heart. Why? Because the heart's always troubled about things and issues. And here's the problem. Once you resolve one thing that's troubled in your heart, there's always something else that will trouble your heart. If you, sa- if you satisfy the financial need and that gets taken care of, right? Uh, the dog throws up on the carpet. And then the cat, you know, pees on this. And then something else happens. And then you get your, your house all set. And then those of you who don't like people who park across the street from your house, you know, they park in front of your house. And Hispanics are kind of like they don't like anybody parking within 20, 20 feet of their house. Some of you would make an elderly woman walk down the street rather than have her park in front of your house. And you're happy with that. God can deal with your heart. That's okay, right? (laughs) Jesus was telling us that in him and through him, peace has already come. In Christ and through Christ, the peace that we need, the peace that we need, not just to function and exist in life, but to thrive in life, has already come. Because there's a big difference. Because a lot of people just function and exist. Chaos and confusion is their normal life. Right, So they're not thriving. Functioning and existing without peace, that's just normal. Live with confusion, relational chaos, emotional chaos, financial chaos, and that's just normal. In fact, for some of you, maybe it's become so normal that you didn't even know there was another option. Functioning and existing in a particular realm is different than what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying to thrive, there's a peace that I leave with you. So if you really start to live there, people will tell you that you're fake. If you start to live there, people will tell you that you're not being true to yourself. If if you live there, people will tell you you're not being true to your feelings or the circumstances. And the truth is, no, we live above our circumstances. We're not subject to our circumstances. We're not subject to our pain. We're not ruled by our disappointments and ruled by our pain. We learn how to live in and through with Christ's love guiding us in our heart. We live through those things. But that's foreign to people who exist in disappointment and exist in chaos and exist in frustration. There's no way to relate the two for people because they're dealing with what Jesus is is saying right here. This is what the world gives. It's a peace that's based on circumstances. See, this realm says, if everything's good, then I can be good. If everything's going my way, then I can be happy. If everything's going the way I wish it would, then I can be at peace. And Jesus is showing us that there's a peace that comes in him and through him that supersedes and rises above circumstances and things that happen to us. See, we like to associate peace with the absence of difficulty or the absence of trouble in our lives. If the kids would just behave... If they just would have put the salsa in my bag of tacos, I would have been happy today. I would have had peace, right? If they just would have delivered the Amazon package by 3 o'clock, but now it's coming tomorrow. My peace is gone, right? Everybody's peace. If it's based on circumstances, there's always going to be something that disrupts our peace. There's always going to be something circumstantial that undermines what it is that God is actually trying to show us. He wants to establish like a pillar in our life. give you peace, not as the world gives, so that not your hearts be troubled. See, the world gives us peace, but it's a counterfeit peace to what Jesus gives. The world gives us peace in things that can be taken away. If you just find that relationship, your whole life's going to change. Oh, it's going to change all right, that's for sure. (laughs) But is that really going to be the end all and be all of your life, Right. right? A lot of times we're looking for peace in a person or peace in something that can be taken away or peace in circumstances that can change or peace in, in something going, going according to the timing of our plan. And Jesus is saying there's something different. See, we lose a sense of peace when we let worry guide our thoughts. Proverbs twelve twenty five says that worry weighs a person down. Have you ever felt weighed down by worry? We ever felt weighed down by worry to the degree where you start worrying about something at nine o'clock a.m. and by the time you're laying your head on the pl- pillow, you realize you've spent the whole day focused on that. You gave literally, you gave energy, time, thought, emotion, conversation, texts, inner thoughts, to that. It weighs a person down. We lose a sense of peace when we live with unforgiveness. That's another way we lose a sense of peace, just the peace that God gives when, when we live constantly and confidently with unforgiveness. In fact, that it affects our health. I want to read you something that I, I copied here, and it was, I thought it was so powerful. I wanted to read this to us. Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack. Come on, that's good. I know how San Antonio eats. That's good in itself. <laughs> Improving cholesterol. That just saved you 30 minutes of cardio every day right there, right? Improving cholesterol levels and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness, health, connection as you age. Let me say that again. The forgiveness, health, connection as you age. This is from Karen Swartz, MD, Director of Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at the John Hopkins Hospital. She says, there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Okay, let me say that again. There is an enormous, this is a doctor, if you're like, I don't believe the Pastor, he don't know what he's talking about. Okay, this is the doctor here. There is an enormous physical, the way you're affected, burden to being hurt and disappointed. That's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. Right? Chronic anger puts you into a fight-or-flight mood, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. Some of y'all, you don't even have to exercise. You just need to forgive. <laughs> But you can't have both. You can't hate and live in unforgiveness and hate exercise. One or the two, you're going to have to choose. And that is not sound medical health advice, by the way. It's me being sarcastic. But seriously, unforgiveness will eat you alive. And it will eat at the peace. And every single one of us has been hurt in this room. And if we haven't and we've forgotten it, we've hurt somebody else and they could remind us of what we've done. So we have to remember how important peace is in our hearts, walking, especially in this season as we're talking about Jesus' birth. Remember how important it is that peace is ruling and reigning in our hearts. Because some of us are looking for peace in a person. When that person comes into my life, or if they can do this, or if that can happen, then I'd be satisfied, then I'd be at peace. Well, you may be happy, but there's still a flawed human being that will, st- with all their complexities, that will still take time to work out you and them making we happen. <laughs> right? I think we know fairy tales are a fairy tale. It takes work to make relationships work, no matter how great they are, right? Some of us are looking for peace in a person, and that's a peace that is not really going to be found. Some of us are looking for peace in a position in life. If this changes, if that changes, if the situation changes, then I could have peace. Okay, let me ask you this. What if it never changes? I had to face the reality in the hospital last year. What if my wife doesn't make it? I had to think through this at the critical moments of what was going on. If she does not come out of this in ICU and she passes away, what is my life like? What do I need to do? What steps? What you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I can't live in a perfect position being everything that establishes my peace. Right. I had to find peace in the chaos and find clarity in the chaos and in the confusion. Some of us are looking for peace and purpose apart from God. Yeah. We're looking for a purpose. Like, oh, what is that thing? Do You know that thing is a person. And that person is Jesus. And when Jesus reveals more of himself to you, more of you and your life becomes clear. Purpose becomes clear. It's not a question mark anymore because his purpose is now your purpose. His life is now your life. His passion is now your passion. His goals are now your goals. His vision is now your vision. Everything changes with Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What is the pattern you've developed when it comes to finding peace? Is it a place you get to someday is that the pattern? I'll get peace when I get there or when we get there or when that happens or when we reach that goal or is it a process that we, we, have, we feel we're walking through? Because that's a dangerous one to camp out on. When we say we're going through stuff, And this is just a process. I'll be at peace, but I'm going through stuff right now. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody here next to you is going through something. (laughs) We're all going through stuff. And if we're all waiting to get peace until we get through our stuff, it's going to be a long line to get through our stuff because we're all going through stuff. We're all facing something. We're all dealing with something that's either coming at us, around us, something that we're forced to deal with, something we didn't plan So we can't wait for peace in that regard either. Is it a position that we have to find ourselves in? Is it circumstantial? Do we have to land at a certain place to find ourselves in a place of peace? Or is peace the person that Jesus says he is to you and I? Is it a person? Here's some things that we can look at that we get when we get true peace. We get peace with God. That's the first thing. How do we have peace with God? Romans 5.1 says, says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. Let's put that slide up. Peace with God. Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. That's the first thing we get. We get peace with God. Are we having some issues? There we go. All right. Peace with God. We've been made right in God's sight. Maybe today you're wondering, am I right in God's sight? Is my life where I'm at right now with what I'm doing, the choices I've made, am I right in God's sight? And here's how it's made right. It's made right by faith in Jesus because what he's done for us. So if peace is only existing based on how good you feel you are or what you feel you've accomplished or maybe feeling like you've atoned for mistakes that you've made, the value system's already off. Jesus Jesus shows us that peace in him and from him comes through understanding and peace with God comes through being made right with God based on what Jesus has done for us, not what we've done for Jesus. That gets mixed up when people tell you you're being a, quote, bad Christian or you need to be more like Jesus. True, we all do, but at the end of the day, We're not made right with God because of what we do for God. We're made right with God because of what God has done for us. Thank you for that overwhelming response on Christmas, the day of Jesus' birth, celebrating peace with God. Amazing. That was called sarcasm. Are you still, here's what I'm asking, are you still trying to earn the goodness of God? Are you still trying To feel worthy and valued based on what you're working for, what you're atoning for, what you're trying to get past. Some of the most dangerous ground that you can ever walk on in life as a Christian is trying to pay God back. I got to pay him back. No, you don't. You never could. I never could. You never could. We, we never could. It's dangerous ground to feel like you can try and pay God back for something that he's not even asking for. First of all, you owe him nothing because the price was paid. That's why we have peace with God. That's why we're baptized into life. That's why we are called new creations and have a new start. Not because we've, done we've decided to make New Year's resolutions and start working out and eating healthy. It's because we've been made right with God because of what God has done For us, peace with God leads to peace with the past. It brings peace into our present and peace for the future. Peace of God comes when we have peace with God. The peace of God is something that we can walk in when we have peace with God. When we don't have peace with God, it's hard to walk out our everyday relationships and lives and minds with others, especially knowing that we're in the right with God. Here's the second thing we get, peace with others peace with others why because relationships whether they're marriage church siblings family are complex and they are not easy families siblings siblings think different Parents have expectations. You all let those down really early, uh, or will continue to. You know, you're not the only one with parents who have expectations. I have expectations of my kids. I'm sure they're wrong already. You know, but like this is what we deal with. Their relationships are complex and they are not easy, and they take work. And to have peace with others, we have to have the peace of God to understand the judgment-free zone that we live in with God is a way we have to learn how to live in peace. With others, See, part of the challenge I think maybe today for some of you is that you're trying to live a life of agreement with disagreeable people. And you're wondering, why, why can't I find peace? Why can't I find any, any rhythm with it? Because they're disagreeable. You say red, they say blue. You want pizza, they want burgers. You say, let's go right, they say, let's go left. It's, it's a disagreeable, almost contentious all the time, friction happening, and you wonder, why, why can I never get any peace? Here's what I'm saying you may never get peace with them. So you're going to have to find peace within you that God gives for you to be able to thrive in that relationship to the best of your ability, lest you become victim to all the chaos and confusion that that disagreeable individual continues to sow into your life. Am I striking a chord on that one? Is that one okay to go to on Christmas? I feel like this is one of the most under-talked about things in our faith is the peace that's needed with others, the unity. This is why he starts in that verse that I read in the very first part of this message about peace being in our hearts because we are called as one body to peace. He's saying how we live this out together as God's church affects everybody else. So if we can't get it right here, we're not going to get it right much further. It's important to Jesus, it should be important to us. Romans twelve eighteen says this if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's a good verse. Paul's acknowledging look, as far as it depends on you, you do the best you can with what you've been given. You do the best you can with disagreeable people. You do the best you can with cranky grandma. You do the best you can with judgmental uncle. You do the best you can with sarcastic aunt. You do the best you can with negative brother. You do the best you can. You learn how to live peaceably with all. And you get the peace of God that keeps you from reacting the sarcastic comments and negativity and jabs and and not looking at them, what did you mean by that? You don't even need to go worry about what they meant. They probably meant what you think they meant, so you don't need to think about what they meant. You just need to be at peace with everyone because you have the peace of God, and you don't need to fix them, and you don't need to change them. You need to live your life and be responsible and take ownership for the things going on in your heart because the course of your life is being directed from your heart, not from their life. Their life is miserable. Yours is not. Don't go to misery where they live. Stay in the land of peace I'm telling you man, I've had to make a good practice of this. I work with a lot of different people i have I'm, I'm Hispanic, i got three billion cousins and relatives just like you. I got cousins that find me on Facebook and say they're my cousin. I've never met them in their life i'm forty three years old. like who are you? who are you even related to? Are you telling me a lie? Are you, real? are you are you a bot or something? like what is going on here? It's weird, you know like You have to learn how to function at peace with so many different types of people if you want to help people or be an influence to people. Okay, I need to get back on track. It's Christmas. We need to get back on track. Number three, peace for your future. God gives us peace for our future. Why peace for our future? Because worry is the enemy of peace. Worry is the enemy of peace. Everybody say, worry Worry. Worry. is not worship. Say, worry Worry. is the enemy of peace, peace. okay? And God gives us peace for our future. See, anxious thoughts, this is going to be, for some of you, this is going to be enlightening. Your anxious thoughts can come under the rule of peace. You don't have to be subject and submitted to every reaction and every feeling and every thought that you have. You don't have to be victim to what other people say and do. There can be a peace and a track for your future that is void of the negativity and the judgment and the things that come from imperfect people that you're not called to hate, that you're called to love, but you still have to learn how to be subject to the peace of God under that so that you're not ruled by the unhealthiness that exists in our world. They may never change which means if they never change and you don't adapt to the peace of God in your life, you may be just as miserable as them for the duration of your life if everything is circumstantial. Anxious thoughts, frustrated thoughts, fearful thoughts can come under the rule of peace. Philippians chapter 4 says this. This is Paul telling us how to how to do this life with, with, with the pressures and the stresses and the things that happen. He says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. In other words, by petition, by literally submitting this to God Himself. Through prayer and through an active submission to God, I give this thing to God. And here's the beautiful thing with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's the pathway. To peace for our future. Doesn't mean we're not acknowledging what's going on right now. Doesn't mean we're ignoring the circumstances. Doesn't mean we're saying fake statements, oh, Jesus is God, everything's gonna be okay. No, no, we, we acknowledge the pain and the reality of what we're going through, but we submit it by petition and prayer with thanksgiving, knowing that our God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called, in, are called according to his purpose. It means I'm not subject to my circumstances, my circumstances are subject to my God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, in every situation, in every situation, in every situation, by prayer, by submitting it to God and with Thanksgiving, thanking God in advance that somehow, some way, He's using this for the good of His plan, His glory, life, His purpose, the kingdom, the gospel going forward, people's lives changing. Somehow some way, God is using this to change something. In me, around me, for someone else, for me. And then he says in verse 7, and here's what will happen when you do that. The peace of God, not the peace that the world gives, not the temporary peace that's a band-aid and a counterfeit. No, the peace of God, listen to this, which transcends, surpasses, supersedes understanding human reasoning, it will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's going to be people who look at your life and say, how can you be there with everything going on in your life? How can you live in that realm with that kind of pressure? How can you live with that going on in your marriage? How can you live with that going on in your finances and that going on in your physical body and that going on in your mind and that going on with your kids? Because there's a peace that passes, transcends, supersedes human understanding. People don't get it. People who don't have God, who don't have the peace of God, won't get it. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, the enemy is after your peace. When we're talking about Jesus' birth, we call him the Prince of Peace. It's a name given to him in Scripture but it's more than a cute title on a Hallmark card or something that we see in a nativity scene. It's more than a title. It's the embodiment of who he is that we now get to live from and live through. In him and through him, we get to live with that peace. If our peace is attached to the Lord of peace, it can't be taken away. Let me make this statement and then I'll close. The peace of God comes to us Peace with God. And the peace and peace with God only comes when we allow the Prince of Peace to be our peace. I'll say it one more time: the peace of God comes to us when we have peace with God. We can live in, exist. Not live with shame, not live with fear, not live and accept anxiety and disappointment and frustration and fear and all of these things that try to swallow us whole. These things don't have to be where we find our worth, where we find our value, where we find our, our place in life. You can have peace with God. And peace with God only comes when we allow the Prince of Peace to be our peace, personally, individually corporately together as the church. This is how we stand together as a church with each other through tough times. This is why it's so important that we allow peace to come into our life so that we learn how to trust community. We can't have connection without trust. We can't have trust without peace. So you can stay on the outskirts of a community or of a church, hear a message, but never really connect to what God intended this actually becomes. I'm not saying everybody has to be besties. I like everybody's posts on Facebook. But I promise you there is somebody within this community that has what you need, that God has sent here to help set you free, to help get you to that next level. That's where he draws people to his church, to build each other up, to help each other. We see this all through the New Testament. But it starts with trust, trust that comes from people who have peace with God and I don't have to judge you because I know you're growing and you know I'm growing and when you share your life with me and I share my life with you, we know we're going together. We're seeing God do a work. I'm not concerned about where I am and you're not concerned about you. We're concerned about where God is taking us. We're concerned about what God has already brought us through and we have his peace to hold us there. I want to pray for you as we close today pray that that peace that I'm talking about, peace with God, if it's not happening on a regular basis, if it's circumstantial, if it's always dependent on a, on a person or on a position or on, on something else changing, I want to pray that, that you have a stronger foundation than that starting today. That, that beyond what has happened, beyond what's not happening, God wants to bring something into your life that eradicates that circumstantial come-as-the-wind-blows type feelings-based, reactionary peace that you've gotten accustomed to. It's not the peace that Jesus was talking about. So let me pray for you we to dismiss today, if you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.